Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. Hey, Last Watchers, thanks for tuning in. Got an interesting encounter for you today, but uh, before we get into that, got to do a little bit of house cleaning. Um, be sure and pick up a copy of my new book, Abandoned, the History and Horror of Port Chatham. You can pick it up on Amazon. You can pick up a Kindle copy. You can also pick up signed autograph copies at alaskwatchpodcast.com. And if you're going to be on the Kenai Peninsula in person, you can pick up signed copies at the Homer Bookstore, Old Inlet Bookshop, Inkwell's Bookshop, and River City Books. Both uh, Inkwell's and River City are in Soldotna. Uh, swing by there, tell them I sent you, pick up a signed copy. And uh, I hope you enjoy the book. It's actually doing pretty well. Uh, today I got up and checked, and it's the number two bestseller. The Kindle version is anyway the number two bestseller in the history of Pacific Northwest. Uh, that's uh, pretty exciting. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I, I can't believe that uh, on my first attempt at writing a book, I got on a, in the top, I broke the top five along the top 10 of a bestselling list. So oh, that's pretty cool. That's quite the ego boost. And uh, what else is going on? Oh, yeah. So here in a few months, Medellin Falls Bigfoot Festival is happening. I'm getting geared up for that. I'm going to be speaking and uh, going to be selling copies of the book there. And then uh, where else am I going to be? I'm going to be at the Boreal Bigfoot Expo in Fairbanks. That's coming up September 4th. I believe tickets for that are going to go on sale here in a, in a couple of months. Uh, they're just uh, filling out some details and figuring out uh, what they're going to do with that. And then after that, I'm going to be at CryptidCon in Kentucky. I'm going to have a vendor booth there selling copies of my book. And I may have my second book out by then. I hope so. And uh, should be selling copies of both of them at that. <clears throat> also, the Bigfoot Encounters and the Pacific Northwest documentaries available. Uh, you can head on over to Vimeo. That's V-I-M-E-O dot com and check it out there. It's available to rent or buy. Uh, that is the uh, documentary we did where we went into Stevens County, Washington and uh, looked for Bigfoot for a few days in there. Very squatchy area. Uh, a lot of activity going on. It's definitely worth a rent and uh, definitely something if you're into Bigfoot you want to put your eyeballs on. So I think that's enough uh, selling and hawking of my wares. Uh, coming up today, we've got a really interesting episode I have uh, a gentleman named Ryan on. Ryan, this is, this is not the same Ryan on I had previously. This is a different Ryan. Apparently, Bigfoot likes to uh, appear to people named Ryan. But uh, this is Ryan, who's coming to us from out of the Bethel area, and he's going to tell us about his sighting. So uh, let's get into it. Let's get into some uh, awesome Alaska Bigfoot stories. Let's go. All right, Ryan, thanks for, uh, thanks for talking to me, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I love Alaska and I love Bigfoot. So uh, the reason I'm talking to you today is because you've had a, a sighting, an encounter. And uh, do you want to tell us where that happened at? 
guess it happened between Bethel and Malfluck. Um on the Malfluck River, which is about 20 air miles from Bethel. Yeah, I'm... I'm not familiar with with that area at all. Um, I mean, I've lived in Alaska for like twenty years, and I'll hear, hear people talk about places, and I'm like, "Where in the hell is that?" I have no idea. Um, especially if it's off the road system. I'm a I'm a, I'm a road lover, you know. Um, although I did live on St. Paul Island for a few years, so I, I do uh-huh. I do have a little that counts as bush, right? I've got a little bush time under my belt. <laughs> Um, yeah, we have no roads uh, around here that go very far. So. Yeah. So, uh, what time of year did your did your sighting happen? Was it summer, winter, or sometime else? It was jo- about July. I want to say twentieth to thirtieth, somewhere in there. Right on, and pretty, uh, pretty close to solstice time, or when the sun was out. You know almost all night or whatnot. Yeah. So if you want to, do you want to get into it and just kind of tell us what happened? All right, sure. Okay. Uh, I was working on uh, tugging barge with my father. Um, they were building a new school in the Malfluck and we were bringing a lot of dirt over there. We had made about 35 trips, round trip back and forth, uh, Bethel to Mouthluck with big barge full of dirt. Um, so it was me, my dad, and another deckhand and one other captain. And I had started to drive the boat. I He let me drive drive a boat here and there and you know this tugs probably has about three stories high and the Malfoluk River is not wide at all it's literally about 30 to about 30 yards wide I'd say 30 to 25 in some spots so it's 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 really close you know just barely enough to fit a barge and tug up there. Right, right. So I was driving, and I'm driving, and I see something far away, kind of in a clearing, you know, and I'm like, at first, you know, there's no boats around, nobody's around. This is like 10.30 at night. And I'm looking, and I think I see, you know, I was like, yeah, and it looks like three people barely picking up. It's kind of big. And so it started, you know, I was moving, going towards it with the barge and, you know, going forward and he was back there and it started to come up and I yelled at my dad down below. I said, Hey, you need to get up here. It's a bear. And so he was cooking dinner downstairs. I'm not sure what the other two uh, people were up to, but so it started coming towards the riverbank and you know I'm still trying to look and drive and I'm wondering well, what is this you know and it comes all the way right up to the bank and I'm you know probably about 50 yards down the river or so and I start you know getting closer 
and closer and I'm just looking and then finally it was literally uh, right adjacent to me and I was just looking and it was blacker than black you know I couldn't I couldn't see the face of it it was like it was just like buff shoulders and I was looking for the head but I couldn't really see a head and I mean this thing was about seven seven feet tall about there just walking you know walking like a human all black and had uh had really big strides you know I was looking to see I was told myself you need to really look and see see what this is you know and because I was driving and trying to concentrate the boat too from not you know going to the trees or whatever and um but sure enough it was it was yeah it was big and black and walking like a human and I just remember just looking at the the feet you know walk like taking really big strides like had no problem walking on that tundra whatsoever I mean that tundra is you know really hard I mean you know for someone to walk that fast that far you know it's like yeah and I mean there's no mistaking it you know I mean well bears have that little they don't really take strides they kind of shuffle when they walk upright yeah yeah but I mean, yeah, it's, there's no mistaking it, you know, for a bear or anything. I mean, this thing was, how they say, uh, what, vertical up and down, yeah. you know, not a horizontal and wide. I mean, it was just like up and down. And I mean, at first I was baffled. I didn't know what it was. I was just totally blown away and. As it was coming closer, it came and it it went right behind the bushes of trees, like the only bushes of trees that was there. And I was watching its head go in underneath. And as soon as it got hidden, my dad had walked up into the wheelhouse and I was trying to point to him, hey, look right there, what, what is that? And he couldn't see it because it was already well hidden and it just stopped in there and both of us, you know, we just decided that we didn't want to stop and try to try to mess with it or anything, but, and we just pretty much left, and, you know, that was, that was my sign, and it was very, very strange to this day. I'm very, uh, I regret not trying to get my uh, phone out and try to take pictures and video record it, but fact it was I was up there by myself and driving the boat so it was kind of you know here and there but boy that was something else yeah well I can imagine you're you're excited and and you're driving the boat on the narrow river there and you don't you know you're it's a it's you're multitasking you don't want to be messing with your phone keeping an eye on that thing and driving the boat all at the same time yeah yeah so I mean because at first (laughs) You know, I just thought it'd be like, you know, a bear or moose. I mean, I wasn't thinking it'd be anything other than that. You know, I haven't seen a Bigfoot or, I mean, heard a lot about him. And, you know, I mean, there's too many 
sightings for them, you know, to be making this up or anything. But, you know, as soon as it got close within about 40 yards and I could just see it walking upright, I was just like, wow, what is this? And, you know, it's kind of weird because there was a raven, too, that was above it, like it was following it around. And I was just kind of, like, taken back by that, like, is waiting for it to, like, eat or something. I don't know, but it was it was something else. That's an interesting observation, Ryan. That's, I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard of one uh, having a raven following it around. But, yeah, that's uh, that's that's quite possible. It could be after some food or something that it had or, yeah. Do, do, you, do you think, was there a berry patch there where you saw it? You said you thought somebody was berry picking? Well, it was right around when all the salmon berries were out and blueberry, all the berries were out. And I don't, I don't think, that's what I originally thought it was, you know, some people berry picking uh, just because it looked from far away, it looked really big. And there was no boats around. It was really late at night. Um, you know, and the sun's out almost all night. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, I think they're more kind of like to roam around at nighttime where they feel more comfortable kind of being in the low key. And the fact that it was so bright out, you know, was kind of, I don't know, they, he was moving, traveling or something. Yeah, and you said he was kind of coming toward the the river there, toward the the boat. Do you think that was to get to the cover that was between you and the 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 Bigfoot, or do you think he was trying to get a better look at you? Yeah, you know when he he came right to the river, I was wondering if he was going to cross. I mean, it's you know either that or he would start walking away, but. He started coming right towards me, and yeah, because there was just a, you know, little group of trees right there, and that was pretty much the only thing around that he could hide behind, and as soon as he, you know, got behind there, he just stopped, and I could see he just stopped still. He wasn't moving anymore. He's just hiding out, waiting for us to go by. And it was really weird because, you know, I don't think that any bears would really do that, but the fact that he just did that and knew how to do that, and, I mean, he was so camouflaged in there, you know, you wouldn't, if if you would look and you didn't know anything was there, I, I don't think you'd be able to even see him because it was so black and I don't know if you have seen illustrations of Bigfoots where they have like their shoulders above their head yeah I've seen um, I've seen some pictures or some illustrations where they just they kind of look like big linebackers with no neck and their head yeah. just sets on their shoulder yeah see that's that's what I saw I I was looking for a head and I didn't see no head and all I saw were these big wide shoulders i mean very big yeah and i mean this thing was buff and it was just blacker than black you know i was trying to look for the face and the head and i couldn't see it on top of the shoulders it was very strange 
when you guys uh, floated past that area with the boat, did you did you notice any kind of a odor or smell in the area? No, no. I was in the wheelhouse, which is pretty much enclosed. I mean, it has windows all around, yeah, but we weren't able to smell nothing. Yeah, I just thought I would ask because sometimes uh, people report odors with them. Or if he was eating on a carcass or something back there, maybe you'd smell that. But yeah, that's um, that's interesting that he came actually toward you to get to cover instead of away from you. Uh, in my yeah, experience, yeah. bear bears if they want to get away from you, they'll just go away. They don't. They don't. Bear, bears don't understand cover and concealment. They just run. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, usually we only, you know, we'll see moose around there. I mean, you'd, you'd be very rare to see a bear around there on that river. I mean, maybe up more, up river more yeah. you might, but, you know, all the trips that we've done up there, we only seen moose and birds and whatnot. So. Well, it, it's interesting you say that, Ryan, because I kind of have a theory that bear and Bigfoot, they don't, their territory doesn't really overlap and they try and stay away from each other. So an area like that, and you're telling me you don't see a lot of bears in there. That tells me that might be where, where the Bigfoot are. If, uh, if there's no bears there. Yeah. I mean, in that area, there's so much water. It's, if you look in on the map, it's like, it's just covered with lakes and, water and and it's very big out there too i mean very big there's a lot of places people can't get to all in there and so i uh once i was done you know with with all that and i was in bethel i went to the uh fish and game office because i was gonna get a moose hunting permit to go uh moose hunting and I was talking, I was talking to the two uh, fish and wildlife guys in there, and I, I told them I was like, hey, guess what? I saw a Bigfoot, and they both kind of looked at each other like they were just kind of astonished. And then uh, the one guy said to the other about the other guy that he got offered to go see a, a group of family big Bigfoots, I guess, up in Tulipsack. And I guess he didn't he didn't want want to go or didn't believe it or something and didn't go. But I guess someone up there, if they have some Bigfoot up there in Tulipsack River, maybe somewhere below Nyack. So I'm pretty sure there's they're all around. They're just probably not too many of them. Yeah, I think they're really good at staying hidden and. You know, they don't behave in the way that other animals behave. And that's kind of one of the reasons why, you know, people don't believe in them. It's, you know, they're just, they're really rare and they don't act like normal animals. And people just assume that it's not real. Um, you know, I know there's a couple of fish and wildlife guys around here that, you know, they're, they're open to it, but they don't really believe. Um, uh-huh. yeah. And I, if somebody come up to me and said, Hey, I, I'll take you to where there's a family of Bigfoot. I'd probably, that'd be like holding a candy bar out the window of a car to me. I'd probably jump right in and be like, let's go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I can understand. And, and being in that position, you know, I would, I would be maybe a little 
hesitant to go because then what if you did see them? You know, nobody was good. Nobody would believe you probably in fishing game. You know, none of your bosses would probably believe you. So, yeah, those guys, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I think uh, that would be actually a really good spot for them to be. I mean, there's hardly, probably nobody out there either. I mean, it's all in the hills. They have a lot of room to walk around and do whatever they want over there. So. Uh, that would be a good spot, but I mean, the YK Delta out here, you know, is like the size of Oregon, so it's it's very big, very yeah. big, and I mean, it's easy for them to wander around and do whatever they feel like, and I mean, not too many people would even know because it's so remote. Yeah, well, people ask me all the time, they're like, man, you like to, to look for Bigfoot in Alaska, that must be, you know, great. And I'm like, well, not really, because Alaska is so big that if they don't want to be yeah. around people, they certainly don't have to be. So it's so hard to get to where they like to live. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, ever since I seen my Bigfoot sighting, I, I just been so intrigued by him. You know, I was watching lots of documentaries, and seeing that, and I, I think I saw your video, uh, your Port Chatham video, you did. Yeah, I've been in that one, and I was on the Alaska Triangle show, and I've and I did one down in Washington too. But yeah, I've been on a couple. Wow. Yeah, I say, I seen that one, and that one was uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. The thermal video of that uh, definitely looks like the Bigfoot. The way how big it is, and it's like yeah. up and down, not like a wide horizontal figure. Yeah, when I first saw it through the scope, it looked like it looked kind of like Donkey Kong. You, you know Donkey Kong, yeah. the video game character. Yeah. Yeah, it looked kind of like that. With it, it had a pointed head, but it didn't have a neck, and and it was kind of it was moving its arms up and down, and um, I I think they do that sometimes when they get agitated. But uh, yeah, I I, wow. I wish I'd have hit record on that thing sooner. But you know, curse of Bigfoot, all that. That's. I hear about stuff like that all the time. Guys will see them. Well, like your sighting, you know, you saw one, you had your phone on you, but you didn't get out and get a picture. It's happens to people all the time. And I used to, yeah, I used to give people a hard time for that, but I, I don't really anymore. I understand completely now. It's I had that thing on my thermal and didn't hit record until it started to get away from me. And then I've been kicking myself ever since. Uh, yeah, me too. I was, I was just like, oh man, you know, it's so close and, could have got, got a lot of attention if I would have just videotaped it, you know, seen it better. But um, I was going to share another uh, sighting. There is another sighting that was uh, posted in one of our newspapers here. There's actually been quite a bit of newspaper sightings that they published through uh, Delta Discovery, which is our newspaper out here. But uh, if you uh, Google Hooper Bay Bigfoot sighting, I think it comes up from 2014. There's a really cool story about a guy out in Hooper Bay who's seen a Bigfoot. He took some pictures of it too. I guess it was, uh, he went, he was on the beach and he seen one and he was trying to mess with the dead walrus, just trying to flip it over. And it's a really interesting story that's on there too. 
So oh, yeah. I might want to check that one out, too. I've heard about that, yeah. And he thinks it was maybe trying to eat on, on the walrus carcass? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a big uh, walrus, and, you know, like he said, it was been rotten there for a while, and, you know, nobody would try to mess with it. And, yeah. He got a picture of it, too, but you could see the head on it, and... His picture has like a black figure, but you could see clearly where the head is. And you know, I couldn't see see a head on that one, so I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I assume like people, they're they you know they vary in shape and sizes a little bit like we do, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, like I heard two different things about. Like a Bigfoot being one thing and a hairy man being something else. And, you know, I'm not too sure about all that, but I've heard there's different variations of them, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm i intrigued by a lot of the, the different, I guess, types. You know, they a lot of the natives around here believe that the Nantanak is a... Uh, uh, you know, a person that's went to just go live in the woods and becomes like a Bigfoot. And yeah. So, and the Kushtaka in the Southeast is kind of the same thing. It's somebody that was kidnapped or taken in and they become a Kushtaka. And yeah, I, it's so many different variations, but there's, you know, so many similar things about them, like kidnapping and hairy, you know, being big and hairy. But, um, what what do you think if they're just a real animal and not you know some kind of magic animal? How how do you think they survive in the winters, especially up there in the tundra? Uh, you know, you guys have a lot harsher winters than we do down here in Kenai. So, what how do you think they get by? You know, I really want to believe that they do some hibernating, but I mean, I have no proof of this whatsoever. But my belief is, you know, they're probably kind of similar to us you know do all their do all their food gathering in the summertime probably try to stack up a lot of food or whatnot and um i think they probably don't move around quite a bit in the winter i haven't ever seen any tracks or heard of anything really much in the winter time I feel like they move around mostly during uh, summer solstice time when it's, you know, the hottest out. But that's that'd be my guess for what they do in the winter. But, you know, I'm not totally sure on that one. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you on that one. I think they, they just uh, lay around and they do as little as possible, kind of like me. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but I do think, I think they they get up and move around the most, in my opinion, I think they move around the most in the spring and in the fall because yeah. in the spring they're getting, you know, they're coming out from their winter and, and they're trying to, to, to eat and, and fatten up. And then same thing in the fall, you know, they're getting, they're going into, Oh my gosh, you know, we got to get some more food in us before the winter hits. So they're, they're a little bit less careful. And that's why people see them more in spring and, and fall. It seems like they're running around trying to, trying to prepare for the winter and recover from the winter. But that that's my opinion. But And that's all we really have is opinions at this point until, you know, somebody proves that they're real. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, I think uh, wintertime, they probably just stick to a very small general location. And then, uh, yeah, once probably spring hits, they start to go a little farther. And summertime, they just probably go exploring and looking around for stuff. So that's probably what happens. Yeah, well, you know, certainly they seem to eat and you know do the things that other animals do so i, I don't see why they don't just uh, you know gather food and take a take a long nap in the winter i don't think they necessarily hibernate but i do think they probably just uh, hold up somewhere and don't move around very much so <clears throat> that's yeah do you do you think they're uh an animal like a bear or do you think they're more like a person I think they're more like a person, I guess. Um, it's, it's really hard to tell, though. I mean, I think someone would have to study them, maybe, to find that one out. Um, they definitely have, you know, the smarts of a human and kind of smarts of animals, too. I mean, they're not, they're very smart, you know. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I I would imagine that they're you know almost smart as us. I I think that's one of the reasons why people like fish and game and scientists have such a hard time with it is because they are they do seem to be so intelligent and so physically you know better than us. You know, obviously they're stronger than us, faster than us. You know, they can survive out in the wilderness better than us. And you know yeah. why why aren't they? in charge you know why aren't they living in houses and and you know building cars you know why are they still living in the woods i think people have a hard time wrapping their head around that yeah good question i have no idea about that (laughs) yeah it kind of goes against this the survival of the fittest if you think about it because you know they're obviously fitter than us but why are they you know not why are they why aren't they in charge why aren't they the big species on the planet you know yeah. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm not sure about their numbers, population-wise. I mean, I couldn't see too too many of them. But there's got to be, you know, quite a couple hundred or so. I'd imagine somewhere in this area. I'd imagine there's, you know, good little population, but spread out. Yeah. If if they live like um great apes or, or gorillas then they probably have you know like a a group over here and then a group over there and then occasionally they'll you know they'll intermingle to you know to to breed so that they don't uh they don't uh have a lot of inbreeding going on but uh yeah it's interesting and i mean we have no idea how far they go either you know they might travel you know 100 miles or 50 miles to, to go find a mate. I mean, it's just, it's all speculation at this point. Yeah. Where I live out here, I mean, there's just a bunch of villages and they're pretty spread apart. So, I mean, they have plenty of room just to walk around and hide in. And especially if they're doing it under the cover of darkness, I mean, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't really want to, Go looking for one at the nighttime, be, be kind of freaked out about that. 
so yeah, I think they're pretty must probably more nocturnal than uh daytime. So Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that one. I think they probably do most of their moving around and eating at night. Do you think, um, you know, people in the lower 48 and like down in Washington, uh, I heard a lot of tree knocks. But uh, up there around Bethel, you guys don't have the huge old growth trees like they do. You know, you've got a lot of alders and tundra and stuff. Do you guys hear anything about tree knocks up there? You know, I, I I hadn't really heard about uh, tree knocks, but I heard about rocks being thrown. Um, I think it was somewhere around Russian Mission, and they have they have big woods up there on the Yukon, and uh, heard a couple stories about rocks being thrown at people and not knowing where they are coming from and whatnot. So, yeah. I, I'm sure they do uh, do do that where the in the woods and probably howl too. Yeah. So. What about uh, whistling? Because down here on the Kenai, it seems like that a lot of the natives talk about them. They whistle if you hear you know a strange whistling. It's the Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. I could imagine that. You know, we just go outside and go in the wilderness. I mean. You start to hear a lot of noise if you just listen and pay attention. So, I mean, yeah, I get. I've ever since I seen that Bigfoot, you know. Now I'm just kind of on edge to go even go out camping and whatnot. I mean, seeing something that big and that tall and that scary is like I don't know <laughs> something else out there. So. Yeah, I'm not too sure about how I feel about camping outside from now on. Yeah, it definitely has a, a way of changing the way you look at the the wilderness after you kind of after you kind of come to realize that they're out there. Yeah, walking in the woods is going to be a little different from now on. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ryan, is there anything else uh, you, you want to discuss while I got you on the line here? No, that's pretty much the basics of all of that. So just uh, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to tell my story. Well, I appreciate you coming on and telling it, man. I really uh, had a good time talking to you. Great. All right, a big thank you to Ryan for telling us about his encounter really uh, had a great time talking to him and uh, hopefully uh, he'll get some more uh, good info for us or have another sighting and uh, keep us in the loop. Really appreciate uh, hearing from people who've had encounters. Love having them on the show. And uh, I guess that's uh, all for today. We're going to get out of here and don't forget, you can head over to alaskwatchpodcast.com and uh, keep up with what's going on in the shows. Apparently uh, occasionally I'll post videos of, uh, me being out and about and uh, showing off some Alaska scenery. Uh, you can listen to the latest episode. Uh, you can swing by our store. Uh, we've got some cool little uh, gifts and knickknacks there. And uh, also you can pick up signed copies of my book. So uh, swing by alaskwatchpodcast.com. 
And uh, you guys, be sure and be careful out there because uh, the weather's getting warmer. The bears are waking up, and uh, who knows what else is out there. Good night, everybody. Thank you.